further ado, I give you Richard Hart. Hey, everybody. Just to give you guys an idea, I like the clapping, that's great. Uh, just to give you guys an idea of the scale of what we're dealing with here, you know, Hex, uh, when I invented it about two and a half years ago, the price of Hex went up 10,000 X in 623 days before staking profit. Uh, with staking, you would have been up 20,000 X, 25,000 X. And we've outperformed both Bitcoin and Ethereum from their launch dates when their performance was the best when Satoshi owned all the coins, uh, we're outperforming them massively still to this day uh, with 100% perfect flawless operation and uptime for years now. That was my first project, first time deposit on the blockchain where you, instead of paying uh, miners to uh, destroy the environment by paying them block rewards, uh, you pay uh, the inflation to stakers to hold the price up instead of to cause the environment to get wrecked. 20% wrecked, 80% is renewable, but 20% is not. So that was Hex, and Hex was awesome. And then uh, the fees in Ethereum kept going up and kept going up, kept going up. Now the fees in Ethereum are too high. Sometimes it costs $300, $1,000 to do a Uniswap swap. Sometimes it costs uh, 20 to $50 to send an ERC-20. It's not okay. And the only way to solve that is to build new capacity. So if you've got a finite resource and you've got demand and the price is too high, you can either increase the supply, which is what we're doing, or you can decrease demand, which no one's interested in decreasing the demand, right? So <clears throat> there's been a lot of Ethereum forks. The problem with all these forks is that uh, they don't give you free coins and they require everybody to use a bridge and we see bridge getting hacked left and right. So the wormhole bridge on Solana got hacked for $300 million a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. The uh, Another bridge for some NFT platform just got hacked yesterday or the day before for $600 million. And the Polygon bridge uh, was at risk of losing some billions of dollars, except they discovered it before the hackers did. And so all those systems are not as intelligently designed as PulseChain. Because in PulseChain, because you're getting a copy of every single coin that you have on the Ethereum network on this chain, and to access those coins, you can access them right now as we speak, and the testnet's been working fine for months, you just change one setting in your MetaMask. It points your MetaMask to the new network, and all your coins are already sitting there waiting for you. You just add them one by one. So, and then this reduces the reliance on these risky bridges because you don't need to bridge from one network in. You can just use your native coins on the native network. It's more secure. It's also better designed than Ethereum 2.0. We've seen over $100 million lost from Ethereum 2.0, which doesn't even really exist yet because it only incentivizes people to centralize. So in Ethereum 2.0, you can't become a miner unless you have 32 Ethereum, which costs about $100,000. If you don't have $100,000, you're going to give your keys to somebody else, and then they're going to lose your money, steal your money, and it's the exact opposite of why cryptocurrency was invented. Cryptocurrency was invented to remove counterparty risk, to put people in charge of their own financial future, to give people their own self-sovereignty, to make things more efficient, faster, cleaner. And so even Ethereum 2.0 isn't as well-designed as PulseChain, and it doesn't run as on battle-tested, tried-and-true software where the bugs have already been ironed out over years. So PulseChain, I believe will launch more secure than Ethereum 2.0, already has higher throughput with three second blocks instead of 13 second blocks. Um, and you can raise the gas limits higher as well. And you don't blow up the environment because you're not paying for proof of work. It's all proof of stake. And you have delegated stake so that you can hold your own keys and delegate your stake to another validator and not have to worry about having 100 grand to participate in the network. It's a better, it's a better designed system 
a more intelligently designed system and it works today and you can go test it on testnet now go check the parameters out at pulsechain.com and so what coins will you be getting free copies of all of them all the coins you got hex you're going to get free copies of hex you got ethereum you're going to get free copies of ethereum but you're going to be diluted 1.2 million x so unlike uh, other forks like bitcoin cash where people just murdered the price all day long by selling all their free coins all the time uh, we won't have that problem in pulse chain because the ethereum holders that are getting free uh pulse are being diluted 1.2 million fold the erc20s aren't so if you've got a hex you're getting a hex and there's no increase in supply if you've got a uni you're getting a uni if you've got a one inch you're getting a one inch if you've got a, a nft same exact code pulls over now there's some exceptions here right so fake DeFi things that have admin keys like stable coins or maybe you could even consider nfts depends on what you consider authoritative to whether you own an nft or not is it that some guy's centralized server says you do or is it that the blockchain says you do so you know in the case of uh stable coins you're not gonna be able to redeem them for dollars maybe unless they're algorithmic um but like it they're definitely gonna have different parameters at launch and then they've got admin keys so they can validate all the coins that they want but they might not do that because they probably wouldn't want all their users suing them for just jacking all their users free money that they got so who knows how that's going to play out and so for real DeFi, really truly decentralized things like hex it's the same exact code and you know there's no middlemen there's no counterparty risk there's no oracles and there's no admin keys it's beautiful and wonderful and you're gonna I mean, never in the history of man have uh, 10,000 new coins just been 10,000 new coins and probably 10,000 new trading pairs are just issued into existence for free to everybody. And now the question is, how do you get people to back the value of these new coins so that you l reduce the load in the Ethereum network to lower the Ethereum fees to make everyone happier and have people participating on this network with higher throughput, lower fees, less destruction of the environment, basically no destruction of the environment? Well, you incentivize it. And so uh, over a billion dollars was raised uh, for freedom of speech. And those people that sacrificed were given free pulse chain tokens. It also generated $27 million of real cash in the bank for 501c3 registered charity that does medical research. And then PulseX also raised some billions. And <clears throat> PulseX is a Uniswap fork that does 22% of the fees get burnt. There's no inflation, only deflation. Same in pulse chain. In pulse chain, 25% of the fees get burnt. There's no inflation, only deflation. Hey, Bitcoin guys, you like the whole inflation goes down all the time thing? Well, you'll really love the no inflation, the coins burn thing even more, if that's your model of what creates uh, value and appreciation. So 22% of the fees get burned in PulseX, deflation only, no inflation. 25% of the fees get burned in Pulse Chain, no inflation, only deflation. World's largest free airdrop, better designed than Ethereum and Ethereum 2.0, uses primarily Ethereum code. Um, you know, the majority of the code that had to be written uh, was getting the system states to to match up and to change the proof of work the validation and the slashing and the you know those components so what do we got we got hex.com world's first time deposit did over a million percent returns in 623 days 100 percent perfect flawless operation uh it was given away for free to bitcoiners and to tell you how many free coins they got those coins that they received for free today after a 60 percent drop are worth 500 million dollars that's how big the scale is that we're talking so Pulse Chain and PulseX both generated uh, excess of billions of dollars of sacrifices. Uh, Hex.com gave $500 million worth of free Hex to Bitcoin holders exclusively. And, uh, you know, for fun, I, I bought the world's biggest diamond. <laughs> so I've got a 555.55 carat, carat diamond. It used to be called the Enigma. Now it's called the Hex.com Space Diamond. 
and uh, it matches up with the maximum stake length that you can have in X, which is 5,555 days. And so a lot of people will get tattoos on their body of 5555, called the Quattro Cinco Club. And uh, I don't know, I've got like $7 million of watches now and a few Ferraris, a couple Ferraris. Uh, one of them's a thousand horsepower. So just flexing because people care about this stuff. You know, uh, maybe you like $40,000 uh, Louis Vuitton airplane bags. Whatever you like, we have it here for you guys. You like uptime, you like decentralization, you like faster, cheaper, world's largest airdrop. We got it all. And then if you like free self-help books, you know, I got 200,000 followers on Twitter, twitter.com slash Richard Hart Win. I called the top Bitcoin top on the day 11 months ago. Who else called the top on the day? Nobody. I called the top on the day and it's been in profit every single day except one. It's a little tiny day where it made a little Judas candle, got everybody long, a fake breakout, and then went straight down. Uh, dropped 55% after that little fake out candle. What else? Yeah, called the tops in the day for free, free uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash Richard Hart, you name it. Uh, we're just living the dream out here. You know, we're doing everything better and uh, people are starting to figure it out. They're starting to go like, oh, wow, those guys are really killing it. So if you guys got any questions, you know, feel free to ask. Yeah, absolutely. We, we have some questions here in, in the audience. However, um, I wanted to open up, uh, there's a couple of questions here. As an early Bitcoin adopter and maximalist, and now you have been critical against Bitcoin and Bitcoiners, what changed your perspective about Bitcoin and why? Well, you just measure this stuff. It's very easy. So let's, you know, let's say you want to uh, sell your cryptocurrency on an exchange and you send the transaction and then you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're like, all right, well, how long do I have to wait? And then you go to the page that tells you how many confirmations you need on each chain. And the amount of time you have to wait for your Bitcoin to be sellable on the exchange is twice as long as the amount of time you have to wait for your Ethereum. And so simply, do you want to wait twice as long or not? And I personally have had to wait six hours for a single Bitcoin confirmation one time. What is this trash? I can't wait six hours for my faster electronic transaction to go through. And it wasn't even cheap. It was expensive. It's like 20 bucks, I think, to send the transaction. So when you have software that has a very pitiful roadmap, that hasn't made any real improvements in years, that has removed things off the roadmap, like we were supposed to get a block size increase, we didn't even get it, that, you know, it, it can't fund its own developers. It, the, you see developers leaving left and right, has had critical inflation bugs where anyone could have minted as many free Bitcoin as they wanted twice, and they did once in 2010, they had to roll the chain back. And then a Bitcoin Cash developer caught another one a couple years ago and responsibly just closed it instead of using it. You know, that's all garbage. It's slow. It has no roadmap. It has had critical failures. It has a long list of critical vulnerabilities. This spaghetti, the code is spaghetti code. It has no audit. It has no modularity. It has no written spec. It takes nine months to on-ramp a new Bitcoin developer because it is such spaghetti code. If you don't have nine months of training at Chain Code Labs, you're going to blow up your first commit. It's not going to work right. Um, you know, I just want more out of the life. I want more out of crypto. I want more privacy, more security, more throughput, more price performance. You know, my Rolex is about performed. This is a million dollar Rolex. This is outperformed Bitcoin. This is a 300,000, 350. It's outperformed Bitcoin. Everything's outperformed Bitcoin. Tesla's outperformed Bitcoin. Meme coins, NFTs, everything's outperformed Bitcoin. So like, are you in this to get rich? Are you in this to change the world? You want to talk about changing the world? How many VCs own Bitcoin? And how many VCs own Hex? Let me list you some guys that own some Bitcoin. Winklevi Twins, Draper, uh, Chamath, Palipta, probably pronounced his last name wrong. The government of El Salvador, uh, 
these two hackers that hacked Bitfinex had $2 billion worth of Bitcoin not too long ago. I mean, the, the Mount Gox trustee that can only sell it or give it to other people that may sell it, he's sitting on 140,000 coins, which is something like $3 billion. And you just go through the list and you're like, explain to me. You keep adding them all up. And you're like, yeah, like 10 or 15. And then Satoshi's holding 10%. And you're like 10 or 15 or 20% of this network is people that I'm not sure you think that they're the, they're the, they're the entrenched rich people class. So if you think you're like affecting political change in Bitcoin, you're not like, and if you think you're going to thousand extra money in Bitcoin, you're not, but you can, and you know, in other things. So pulsechain.com, pulsex.com, hex.com. We're really out here giving people an opportunity to participate in superior networks for free. You know, when I got into Bitcoin, I got in for free. Now you can't get in can't get into Bitcoin for free anymore. You got to give your money to evil middlemen that aren't in the United States to hope that they send you your mine equipment on time so that you can start paying electricity bills. It's just gross. But if you want to mine Hex or mine Pulse Chain or, or you know, stake your, your Pulse X, you don't have to deal with any weird foreign company and hope that they send you your mining equipment and hope that the government doesn't outlaw it, which by the way, a couple of weeks ago, the EU was just going to ban proof of work. They were going to ban it. And it was close to vote. So, you know... Now, I spoke out against that because I think it's disgusting, but, you know, that's not my financial interest. My financial interest would be, yeah, look, Pulse Chain solves this. So, nice guy I am to, to do the honest thing. So, what is the HEX token and why is it better than Bitcoin? Well, I mean, it depends on what you want. Yeah. If you want pitiful price performance, HEX uh, doesn't have that, but Bitcoin does. If you want inflation bugs, uh, Bitcoin had that couple times, uh, Hex never has. If you want to pay middlemen and blow up the environment, Bitcoin's got that. Hex doesn't have that. Uh, if you want ATMs, Bitcoin does have that, but you're paying like a 10% premium. If you want the most liquidity, and instead of being liquidity and getting paid the bid-ass spread and getting paid the fees, you have to be hot in the biscuit to sell immediately and eat the liquidity on the other side of the order book, you're going to get better order execution in Bitcoin. So like if you're, if you're a guy that wants to buy a billion dollars of crypto, you could buy a billion dollars of Bitcoin and barely move the price. But if you were to buy a billion dollars of hex, oh my God, would the price go up? And that's a feature. So like, you know, but if, if you're buying something and you only want it to slide up a percent, then uh, go buy the thing that has poor price performance, I guess. Um, and then there's other things that are funny, like Bitcoin has the best brand awareness. Yeah, that means the most people already bought it. And guess what people that already bought can only do? Sell. The thing that doesn't already have everybody knowing about it is the thing that people haven't already bought and therefore they might be able to buy it and move the price up. And so as you become an advanced speculator, which I am, I'm the guy that calls the top of the day. No one else can do that. Like I brag about it because it's miraculous to be able to do it and do it for free for people. You know, uh, it's a buy the rumor, sell the news event. People don't get it. So, you know, I have to, I have to educate them. I have to re-educate these people because they don't understand things properly. They say, oh, inflation bad. You're like, really? Then why did the Bitcoin price go up the most when the inflation was the highest? Uh, windows shutting down gray face npc jpeg like you know uh so I other to open up another question here yeah is that okay yeah yeah please. so uh, <laughs> so because uh, you were talking about the ethereum blockchain and yep. we were building the hex token at the time yep and of course i don't think you could foresee there was going to be all these big gas fees well no i knew that it could be a possibility which is why i said if it ever started to suck i'd fork the network and then i just did what i said i would do so so that, that goes into my other one. So um, some people at the beginning of Hex, some people have criticized you about designing 
an OA that holds most of the spy packs tokens. Yep. What is the function of the OA? Well, it's really simple. Ooh. Every single profitable endeavor in the history of man has had extremely centralized ownership, period. So in the United States, 1% of people own 50% of the stuff. In a football team, one guy calls the shots. In a family, very often one guy calls the shots. In governments, one guy has the nuke button. Comes down to one guy, extremely centralized. Facebook, majority of the voting shares, tons of the non-voting shares, Zuckerberg owns them. Uh, Elon Musk, 20% he owns. Every single ERC-20, massively centralized ownership. Bitcoin itself, massively centralized ownership. 42% of all Bitcoin sits in 2,300 addresses and has for years. And that number has been getting worse over time, not better. The centralization in addresses that have over uh, 1,000 coins in them just keeps going up. So if you, if you confuse, if you're a noob, as most people in crypto are, compared to me anyway, you think that decentralization is the best. Let me prove for you that that's not true. How's the Amazon stock price? Amazing. And what has Amazon done? Total vertical integration. They own the servers. They write the server software. They own the shipping hubs. They have their own product lines. They have their own billing. Total vertical integration for cost efficiency. Now, what's the opposite of vertical integration? Decentralization. And so because blockchains are decentralized, you have the most expensive rights to the database, the lowest throughput. They suck so bad, you can't ask them to wake you up in the morning. That's how poor the blockchain is. It can't even wake you up in the morning. You have pitiful amounts of computation. Most people's cell phones can outperform the entire network's computational ability. But we're willing to incur all of that horror and all that suck to have censorship resistance. And so blockchains are only as useful as they are censorship resistant. And so people confuse this because they're noobs and they think, ah, so censorship resistance and decentralization is useful in the network and therefore it must be useful in the, the ownership structure. And you're like, no, actually go look at the charts. The more centralized things do better on price performance and the, what you would consider to be the most decentralized thing, which would be Bitcoin, gets murdered by everything. Like from the COVID dip, Ethereum went up three times as high as Bitcoin did. Bitcoin did an 18X and Ethereum did like a 50X and Hex did like hundreds and thousands of Xs. And, and, and when you have an S curve of adoption, people think that they're early buying into Bitcoin after the world's richest guy already bought, after a nation state already made it legal and bought, after uh, it's on the world's largest market, the, uh, the CFTC uh, futures market in the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Um, you're not early in Bitcoin. It's 13 years old, guys. And that's the reason the price chart is falling over and you've been down for 11 months now. The price is down for 11 and a half months now because you're at the top of an S-curve. Now, will the price make new all-time highs? Yes. Will it get outperformed by almost everything else in crypto? Yeah, pretty much. Particularly things that have product market fit. There's a lot of scams out there. If you buy a scam and you hold it for longer, you're still sitting at zero when you lose all your money or get rug pulled. But if you buy a real innovative product that has product market fit, it has a walled garden, it has a, a vibrant, enthusiastic, you could even say zealotous community, you're very likely to have good price performance. I mean, the best time you could ever buy Bitcoin was Satoshi owned all the coins. The best time you could ever buy Bitcoin was no liquidity and there was only on one exchange. When everything sucked the most was the best time to buy Bitcoin or Facebook or Amazon or, or basically any of these things. And, but people get it backwards. They're like, oh, Bitcoin's more popular. Yes, yeah, so now you'll make less gains. Good job. Learn how to speculate, you know? <laughs> so uh, my next question, what is Pulse Chain? And why are you giving people a free copy of the ERC-20 token? Well, for me to save hexagons from high gas fees, because the code is immutable and can't be changed, 
and it's already extremely gas optimized anyway. It's got bitwise shifts, bit packing, caching built into it. The only thing you could do is give people a new free version on a, a new superior network. And that's also the way that McDonald's scales. So do they try and build a bigger and bigger and bigger McDonald's? No, they just build more of them. Do they try and build a bigger and bigger and bigger gas station? No, they just build more of them. Horizontal dumb scaling is how most effective things in the world are scaled. Schools, do they try and build a bigger and bigger and bigger school? No, they build more schools. So, you know, it's, it's obviously the right solution. And I'm very happy and very lucky that so many other people missed the idea that you could have the world's largest airdrop because the overhead is very similar. You know, the overhead of launching a new network and choosing to launch a new network with the existing system state, they're kind of similar. And so why wouldn't you give everyone the largest free airdrop in the world and prevent them from having to use bridges and be able to deload the network, which is overloaded on Ethereum? Like, it's just win, 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 win. Like, it, it's beautiful. And, and the fact that, like, also as a liquidity provider, you know, as a liquidity provider, you want a lot of volume, but no price movement. Because then you don't have impermanent loss. Or I guess if, you know, you could say if both things raise in price, that's okay too. But when one thing raises in price versus the other thing, as a market maker, as a liquidity provider, you sell the thing that went up and you end up losing. But if you imagine bridging in your free or bridging in your ERC-20s to the network and pairing them with the free PRC-20 copies, now your impermanent loss after the market figures out like a reasonable ratio, it's very likely to be less than like crypto versus dollar. It's very likely to be like these kind of things move because they're bonded by the liquidity in their pairs, which is called Hart's Law. If you want to Google it, I invented it. Um, it's why all the prices in crypto go up and down at the same time. It's not because there's some genius like uh, fund making that happen. It's actually a side effect of the liquidity in pairs between two different coins bonding their prices together. So if you can exchange one Bitcoin for one Ethereum and Bitcoin goes up versus the dollar, Ethereum also goes up versus the dollar because you can just swap your Ethereum for Bitcoin because there's liquidity in the trading pair. And then if one goes down, they both go down because now where you could have swapped it for something, now you can't swap it for something that was more valuable. So it's pretty, I like, I liked that particular discovery of market analysis enough to stick my name on it. That's, that's how happy I'm about it. So uh, we're going to open up for uh, Q&A. Right now, if sure. anybody has uh, any questions, you can come up uh, to the stage and uh, ask Richard Hart. I think you know this uh, guy right here. Hello How there. It? How's it going? How's it going? Uh, Richard, my question would be, what are the things which are missing before the, the actual fork, the actual launch? Oh, well, I mean, the automated market maker price fixer bot that tries to repair all the market caps to make up for the 1.2x uh, dilution of the Ethereum guys. That currently runs against like uh, V2 things and V2 forks on Uniswap. So for instance, Uniswap itself, version two, and uh, SushiSwap. It would be nice if it ran against V3. So I kind of like to see it run against V3 before mainnet. If it doesn't, fine. Some ARB guys will just make some free money. But if you, know, if you don't have to give the ARB guys free money then, or extra free money, then it would be nice to see the, ARB, uh, the AMM price fixer bot uh, repair the V3 prices as well. And the sacrifice balances still aren't where I want them to be. You know, when you have 150,000 sacrifices from 150,000 unique addresses that you want to give free credit, you really want that free credit to be right. And a lot of people are stupid and sacrifice things they shouldn't. And then it's harder to track these illiquid things because now you're trying to like, they created by trying to be nice to people and give them credit for stuff that they shouldn't get credit for. It's, it's kind of making the sacrifice totals 10 times harder. 
literally. So basically, sacrifice totals, AMM bot, uh, are the two things that are, if we knock them out of the way, we pretty much can go to mainnet. There's some other internal things that you know are too computer techy to really mention. But AMM bot and uh, sacrifice balances are like basically where we're at. We've run out of other stuff to do, right? Like bridge is done, tested out the yin yang. Staking is done in the pulse chain side, tested out the yin yang. Uh, you know, pulse X, the buy and burn function people can run and get a bounty. Like all that stuff's been tested out the yin yang. Um, we're just running out of things to, to finish. So basically it's just AMM bot and sack totals. Uh, well, thanks, Richard. Um, my next question would be, um, there is rumors of you building a better version of a wallet as well. Is that yeah. the next yeah, thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm hiring devs to build a wallet, true. Um, but they're not really hired yet, so let's wait until they are, you know? But I, it, we'll almost, we'll almost be at full vertical integration. So we've got value storage with Hex. We've got consensus network with Pulse Chain. We've got trading with Pulse X. Only thing we're missing is fiat on ramp and wallet, um, so we almost have like the whole stack, pretty much. We're almost there. All right, Richard. And my last question to you would be: for somebody who missed the pool sacrifice phase and the pool X sacrifice phase, uh, what could a new crypto investor do right now? Well, I mean, if you like, if you think Hex might have a lot of value because there's so many hexagons that it's likely to be one of the most liquid things, I would assume, on the new chain. You know, doubling your hex by getting a free copy of it on the new chain seems cool. Um, if you, I mean, I'm not sure what the rates look like, but there's that Easter egg that you still can sacrifice, but you're, the ticker keeps running behind the scenes. Um, I'm not sure what that rate would be. On Pulse Chain, it's a terrible idea. Like, definitely don't Pulse Chain sacrifice. Maybe in Pulse X it's not as bad, but I, I don't know the math. Um, what else? Pulse chain, Pulse X, Hex. You know, there's another token as well. There's a incentive token that is given to liquidity providers to give them an even larger incentive to bridge in their ERC-20s and pair them with their PRC-20s to back the value of the PRC-20s. Um, so there's there's five basic tokens, right? So you're going to have Ethereum on Pulse, Ethereum on, on Hex. I'm sorry. You're going to have Hex on Pulse. You're going to have Hex on Ethereum. You're going to have the incentive token. You're going to have Pulse X and Pulse chain. Five tokens there, you know. Don't get wrecked is my best advice. <laughs> don't don't start like I'm not a, a lot of people love these JPEGs. I don't know, guys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, CryptoKitties came out in 2017, crashed the Ethereum network, and these JPEGs are the reason why Ethereum is so loaded up right now. Because people only use Ethereum to do two things: trade, which is part of what's awesome about uh, Pulse Chain, is that we got the ticker symbols and we got the code, and all people care about is trading anyway. So there you go. And with the NFT stuff, you know. NFTs and uh, and trading are the majority of the gas usage on the Ethereum network, probably like 80%. And so by taking the trading off of the Ethereum network and putting it on Pulse Chain, you're going to get a lot cheaper gas fees on Ethereum. It's going to be a lot easier to on-ramp users. They're not going to have to pay a $50 penalty to buy in, you know, in gas fees. It's just, it makes everything better for everybody. So there's a lot of Ethereum killers out there. I don't think Pulse Chain is an Ethereum killer. I think it's an Ethereum helper. We'll see, you know. Richard, you got another uh, question here? Yeah. Hi, Richard. My name is Agnes Wuchinski. I'm a, a longtime friend of T-Money here. Nice. Um, I am very new to... Stream dropped right there. I heard I'm very new too, and then the stream got blown out. You're back. Okay, I hear you again. I heard you're very new, and then start over from I'm yes. very new. 
Okay, so I'm very... Dropped again. No. Uh, and string drop. <laughs> it's back again. Can you hear me? Yep. Third Can time's a charm. Okay. <laughs> three, three, three. So leave her in that. Um, so anyways, what I wanted to say, um, I'm very new. I'm learning a lot of things. But this is the mistake I made. And I just want to warn everyone about scams. Because I was tagging you but there's 30 Richard Hart's officials out there. So I just want to let everyone know that it's Richard. And what is your official Instagram? Because there's so many scams yeah. and I, well, that's why I'm one, of, one of the best ways to catch the scammers is that I don't follow one, anyone on Instagram, but usually the scammers follow a bunch of people to try and establish that they're the real one or whatever. So I'm the official Instagram for me is Richard Hart official. And you're going to find copy scam versions of me on every platform. So I'm Richard Hart on Telegram. I'm Richard Hart Win on Twitter. I'm Richard Hart Official on Instagram. I don't really mess around on any other platforms. I guess I'm Richard Hart on YouTube. Uh, but you're going to find imposters with my profile picture and weird little name change, little change a couple letters here and there, trying to scam you constantly. So if you're direct messaging me, you're probably not actually direct messaging me. You're probably talking to a scammer. And if anyone ever messages you on any platform, they're trying to scam you, particularly if they have admin in the name, particularly if it's a pretty girl, you know, like the, the amount of scams that happen in, in crypto and in the world at large is just insane. And that, that was the case. So I, I just want to want, I want to let everyone know that, um, I, I did get scammed that way. So, um, yes, you have it's not just me. Knowledge. It's everybody. You're going to get fake Vitalik's. You're going to get fake Charles's. Yes. You're going to, you're going to get fake everything's. Absolutely. So I just want to make sure that everyone is following the correct Richard Hart, who has yeah. zero, who is following zero people. That's it. That's and me. I want to say thank you because I really appreciate what you're doing for my pleasure. Um, and everything. I, I I fully support it. So I want to say thank you. Thank you so nice much. I appreciate that. <laughs> Anybody else? Hey, I'm uh, Cornberg with Kitty uh, Cat Corn. Okay, so we actually have two cars in NASCAR uh, at Daytona, and we have nice. uh, racing with your car and JJ. I wanted to know, uh, are you guys planning to have further races uh, down the road, whether it's in uh, Indy or NASCAR or American Motorsport? So, I mean, we just had a TX2K, a TX2K22 3,500 horsepower Lamborghini Evo win the mile-long races uh, over in Texas. And it ran a 233.5, I think. And he had a different boost setting where he could have run a 245. So he's doing his own thing. You know, it's all decentralized. So, you know, people have passions. They get really wealthy with the products that I build. And then they have passions and they want to do their passions. So there's guys that like car racing. So they do car racing stuff. Now, me personally, I like direct response ads where people can actually click the ads, you know. And I see a lot of these mass media ads and then I watch it how many, like, clicks go on the site and there's no extra clicks and you're like hey it's like it never happened so you know for general brand hope that someone pulls their phone out and types it i don't like those ads personally but they look cool if you do it once you get a cool jpeg for the site that's nice but if you keep doing them i don't think they work at all um i, I think any kind of direct marketing would be superior in my opinion right right so the answer is i don't know if they're going to keep doing them or not uh I personally wouldn't do them, but these guys are just passionate about it and they'd like to do stuff they're passionate about. Right. So we're building out like an esports platform and we're going to have like multiple leagues, uh, you know, different racing simulator games. So okay. are you guys planning on doing esports? 
I mean, I used to be addicted to games for over a decade. I've got like 25,000 hours in some games. And it, I don't really see what the blockchain brings to esports because the only thing blockchains are useful for is censorship resistance. And the primary place you use censorship resistance is in communication and in like currencies. And then the question is like, none of these systems really has enough throughput to be able to put any popular games currency on them at all anyway. So like you couldn't put Clash of Clans on a, on a blockchain, it would just destroy it. You'd have to like remove the censorship resistance part to have enough throughput. And so for me, like a lot of these like meme narrative pitches, they're just kind of like duct taping a token onto something where the blockchain doesn't really fit usually in, in my opinion. So, you know, the hard, like, like for instance, video games, the hard part of building a video game is the building of the video game. It's not the, oh, people want to be able to sell their hats off TFT2, Team Fortress 2, or, oh, they want to be able to sell their guns off CSGO. Those markets already exist, and the people that own those markets are not going to plug and play with other brands to have their leadership leached away from them. Like, they're, TFT2 is not going to launch anybody else's platform to make less money, and CSGO is not going to launch anybody else's platform to make less money. Like, it's, so it's just, I mean, not to poop on your business or whatever, but, like, it's kind of like duct tape on token stuff. Hi, Richard. Um, hey. I'm kind of new on the cryptocurrency I've been learning in the past few months, but I want to ask you why uh, we didn't hear about Pulse Chain before. Oh, yeah, because cryptocurrency is trash. Like, it's all gatekeepers and trash. So, let me give an example. Let's take coin ranking sites. How do coin ranking sites take, make money? By selling ads. Who do they sell ads to? People that victimize you. Well, who specifically? Margin trading exchanges. So to give an example, there's a website called eToro.com. Margin trading exchange has ads everywhere. You look at the top of the website and it says 67% of people lose money with us. And that's misleading because I guarantee you that the number of people that lose money, the amount that they lose is larger than the number of people that won money. And that it's net negative for all the participants, except for the middleman. The middleman gets very rich. Those guys can buy ads wherever they want because they got a little pass from the government. They got a little license that says, hey, you can go victimize people. I think that's disgusting. And so what you find is you find collusion between advertising networks, coin ranking sites, and the media to hide projects that don't victimize the users because then they can't get paid fees and revenue and all these things. So, you know, on the front page of CoinMarketCap, you've seen numerous rug pull, exit scam, goes to zero, exploited trash that has done massive harm to the industry. And you only rarely see Hex on the front page with perfect, flawless 10,000x, 100% uptime. 10,000x price, 100% uptime. You rarely see that on the front page of CoinMarketCap. It's so silly that Hexican had to file a class action lawsuit against them because it's, they're lying about what the market cap is. And they're lying about the rank and it's, and it's harming users and it's disgusting. And you don't just see it at CMC, you see the CoinGecko as well. And so these people are not ethical. They're not moral. They do not have the best interest of the users at heart. It is a very corrupt system. And as loud as I yell and scream, and I've got a pretty good audience, you know, 200,000 on Twitter is pretty good in this industry. Uh, you know, as, as large as I yell and scream, I still can't reach everybody. You know, everyone gets interested in their little vertical. Some people like the monkey pictures. Some people like you know, degenerate margin trading, and you just, it's hard to reach everybody, so. Hello, this is Richard Hart. Um, my name is Blue Bum. I, um, I'm on the Hex Lecture on Discord Syndicate um, with the Aussie Hex streamers. 
Nice. We've probably been, thank you. Yeah, we've been probably been one of the longest constant streams. Um, Great. So I've been in Hex for quite a while. Um, when I first like learned about Hex, I was like, oh, done. He's done it. He solved it. That's it. This nice. is the solution. Like, it's going to be simple now. Everyone just gets really, really rich. All of that money just gets, gets filtered out to regular people. People start like solving their problems locally, and it's done and dusted. But it's turned out to be this incredible roller coaster of a ride, an adventure, an unfolding adventure with so many twists and turns. Yep. We're now at a stage where you're about to launch like a whole new, like a whole new chain. It's, there's yeah. all sorts of um, like projects coming onto it. The yep. world has gone absolutely yep. batshit crazy. It looks like we have, you know, Russia and India, or in China, and probably Brazil and South Africa. Some of those BRICS countries are going to have their own financials. We've got Western leaders who are just utter morons. This is a very long question. This is the longest yeah, question ever. Well, my question is, how do you see all this playing out over the next decade? Well, I mean, we're participating in the highest performing asset class in the world. And it is getting more regulatory certainty in the United States and in, in certain countries like El Salvador, maybe Panama, maybe Guatemala, you know, smaller countries to start out with. Uh, the price performance is probably the most important part for most people, and that's still doing very well. Um, if we can get the regulators to stop harming their citizens by, like, for instance, China just made mining illegal. Uh, the EU just passed some gross law about reporting and it's just like technology doesn't solve politics. And at some point, all these very wealthy crypto people are going to have to play politics to get the government power structures to do better things. So it's unfortunate because it's time consuming and has a lot of overhead, but uh, they have the power and they very often use it to make the world a worse place with net negative decisions that harm everyone. So for instance, if you, if you like law enforcement, you want law enforcement to be able to do a good job. What law enforcement does is looks for needles and haystacks. And so what does regulatory do? They give them more hay and they make it harder to find actual suspicious things because they declare everything is suspicious and it's terrible. And what they need to do is hire more investigators and file more injunctions and have more court cases and do more discovery. Those things actually work and, and prevent crime, stop crime, and put criminals away. But this pretending that everyone is preemptively a criminal and violating everyone's privacy is how you create huge honeypots. So, you know, the Department of Defense lost a huge amount of data to a hack. Uh, Equifax lost a huge amount of data to a hack. You're going to see all of these giant centralized pools of data get hacked and abused over and over and over again. And the only real way to protect the citizens to not have the data in the first place. And so it disgusts me that these nations have rights clearly defined for the privacy of the citizens. The Fourth Amendment, the United States, the United Nations Charter, individual states, you name it. They all say... Privacy is a human right, and it should be protected. And then every single thing they do removes that. And you're like, guys, you, you realize you're violating the very principles on which the body that gave you power was founded. You're violating the principles by which you accepted the office. You're violating the Constitution. We have a right to privacy. Stop violating it. Privacy means you don't know about it. Just I do. Just maybe the person I'm talking to. You, government, you don't get to know about it, but the government just doesn't understand that. They think everything's better when they have more power, and then they don't look at how that works out.
You know, how that works out is, you know, what type of government has the most power? A totalitarian government. And how does that work out? We've seen a lot of sanctions recently. Maybe it works out like that, you know? Um, it, <laughs> these people uh, need to be helped to stop hurting themselves. And politics is kind of unavoidable, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally us building around them. And as the economic energy moves into real people's hands, then yep. that's how it, we build around them rather than sort of taking over those structures. But I've just got a couple of other questions. One is, I tried to tee up an interview with you in Nomad Capitalist. Yep. Um, I, like, you guys were talking and all that kind of stuff. They Sounds tweeted good. out what questions you should have. Did it ever happen? Or? I can't remember. I'd have to Google the guy's face. Let me look. Mm. Yeah, I talked to this guy. Yeah, that did happen. I talked to this guy, yeah. As you can tell, I, uh, I don't watch his content, so I didn't remember who it was. <laughs> but I, I have talked to that guy with that face that I just Googled. Okay, so he's just not released yet. Okay. And, um, and one final question. I, I'm early on, but very, very excited about Hedron. I was wondering, at the conference, I think you said you hadn't looked into the... Um, well, claiming, claiming and minting looks fine. I didn't personally review the, uh, the other functions, but like, I'm very, very weary and avoid promoting other ticker symbols than the ones that I invented. So, you know, people have minted it. People have uh, claimed it. People sold it. I haven't heard about anyone having any problems, but it's not my product. You know what I mean? And so... If someone else builds a product, price goes up, cool. Price goes down, cool. I don't want it to bother my life. You know what I mean? So check it out. I mean, it's free. If you're hexagon and you've got stakes, it's free. I, I don't... Yeah. Free stuff's usually cool. Okay. Thanks, thanks to you. Thanks for your answers. My pleasure, man. We got another question. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, Richard, uh, how are you? Doing good. Uh, one, thank you very much for creating uh, Hex. Um, like many of us here, it's actually uh, changed our lives, you know? Nice. And for the better. And I think that it's something that I've promoted here in Miami. Mine is X underscore Miami on Instagram. Nice. And I just want to give that financial freedom just like we've been talking about. I know we're almost neighbors, so. Saving <laughs> lives, man. Putting people but, um, in charge of their futures. Uh, yeah, so absolutely thank you very much for creating it. And obviously I've been following your other um, programs and, and coins. Uh, just a question was, I noticed this past week, I've seen a couple of spikes on Hex. Um, have you noticed them? I've seen them almost like up to like a dollar or so or maybe five. Um, oh, the spikes, yeah. Been, like, basically most of the charts, I think, I think a lot of those spikes are people that are not setting their slippage limits properly in Uniswap. So if you use uh, one inch or Uniswap or Matcha.xyz, there's a slippage limit that you can set. And if you don't set it, then someone can sandwich you, buy right before you, let your order execute at a way higher price than it needed to, and then sell right after you. And they just make free money. And so these spikes that you see are usually people getting sandwich attacked because they don't haven't set their slippage limit properly. Um, but you might have seen, like, I, I think maybe that spike up to 20 cents might not have been a sandwich bot. Like, I, you have to dig in and look at each transaction, right? Um, but, like, this this is just all normal for Hex, right? When the, On the road to a million percent returns in two years, I think the price dropped, like, 60%, like, five, six, seven times, something like that. Like, it's just 
volatility is the price you pay for the world's best performing asset. So it's it's in the game, you know. And by the way, if you use limit orders, none of this affects you. You just get to be the liquidity. You get executed at the price you want, and there's no slippage. So. Okay. So that'll be using a new song. Well, I mean, um, you can you could emulate you could emulate limit orders by adding single-sided liquidity and then removing it after you get filled, but you have to manually watch it and remove it after you're filled or it will unfill. And you'll make the fee twice, um, both directions. But if you use a different limit order, like on one enter match it on XYZ, then it just fills and that's it. But you better be careful when you enter that number. If you enter the wrong number, you'll be very unhappy. Because I've heard stories of people that like entered the wrong number and it just filled them at a very bad price. So be careful what number you enter if you're going to use those systems, the limit order ones. How do you see uh, the performance? I personally feel that uh, false chain and false X is going to even perform, outperform what Hex has done. Uh, the, chat the chat room has. The chat outperformed Hex's chat room by two to one, probably. Number of users and the amount of time. And it's an easier sales pitch. People understand faster, cheaper, largest free airdrop Ethereum. Doesn't blow up the environment. They get that very easy. Hex is too out of this world for them. They just It's too complicated for them. They don't get it. They don't understand it's a proof of work change to proof of weight instead of proof of work. It uses proof it uses proof of weight for issuing inflation. It uses proof of work for uh, logging the inflation. They don't get that. It's too hard for them to understand. So it's, Pulse is just an easier pitch. Coin burning and inflation is an easier pitch than very low inflation. Performing, I guess, in the next year within Pulse Chain coming out. Do you see the trading? Uh, Pulse Chain, you're kind of following all three, Pulse X, Pulse Chain, and Hex, um, uh, basically going on the upward trend at the same time. I, I have no idea which one's going to outperform the other, and I don't think anyone could know. Um, good luck. <laughs> I mean, they're all really well designed, and they're all known, effective, known, successful tactics. We know airdrops work. We know Ethereum works. We know EVM works. We know coin burning works. We know uh, automated market making works. Like these are all extremely effective systems. So good luck pitching which one's going to outrun the other. It's hard because I don't know. I wish I'd help the guy. But good. I want to thank you so much for doing this stream. And I also want to thank uh, Timon here, freedom to be invited to Crypto Society to represent Hex, uh, the Hex community here at the conference. Nice. And now I want to go to the question, Richard. Um, it is so easy to onboard people here at the conference because they lost their free copy on the blockchain. But we are rarely talking about Pulse X, and Pulse X will be the biggest exchange on Pulsechain. Yep. Can, can you talk about why it's so important that Pulse X will be the biggest exchange? Uh, sure. Exchange? Yeah. How do you do it? So Pulse X, at the, at the very first transaction on the network, goes and harvests all the other uh, exchanges that it can access, like Uniswap V2, SushiSwap, hopefully Uniswap V3, maybe Banker, maybe ZeroX, we'll see. And it basically buys up all the artificially cheap uh, PRC20s, buys their prices up by minting in between 2 and 5% of the total supply in order to do it. Um, probably closer to 2 and a quarter is my guess. This is a guess. And then it puts those uh, into the Pulse X exchange so that it is the most liquid exchange. Then you don't have to worry as much about ARB bots because there's not as much price difference because every, all the economic energy is closer in a single uh, trading thing. And then it also has 22% of the fees getting burnt. And it has a lower fee than Uniswap. It's 0.29% instead of 0.30. 
what else? And it gives you an extra incentive token to be a, a yield, a, a liquidity provider earning and earning this extra token as well. And so it's more efficient from a market perspective because it centralizes liquidity. It also protects the value of the Pulse Chain brand because, oh, let's say you don't like me, you don't like Pulse Chain, you don't like something, and you want to remove your coins and remove your liquidity. Ah, I got bad news for you. It's already been removed. You can't. So you can't stop the game from being played. So you take a system like Chainlink, right? They run oracles or whatever. Whether the Chainlink guys want to actually use Pulse Chain or not, or issue oracles on it or not, don't really care that much, to tell you the truth, because we got the ticker, we got the uh, logo, and the prices are going to be bonded by the liquidity. And so if you, as a, per as a person that wants to trade, you could trade the link ticker on Ethereum and pay $50 to buy and $50 to sell because of gas fees. And the price is probably less volatile because it's a, probably a more liquid market. You know, or you could trade on a less liquid market that has more profit potential because there is more volatility and you've got not $50 in, not $50 out. It's just a very compelling uh, use case. You know, it's, it's super compelling. So it, it adds longevity to the ecosystem. It creates capital efficiency. And, you know, I think the value of all the Pulse chain in the beginning before you get direct listings is going to be in people bridging uh, stable coin value and ERC-20 value in and pairing it with its PRC-20 copies. And so in the beginning, I think the majority of value is going to accrue through bridges. So, and then having PulseX be able to reward people in addition, not only just the fees of pairing their free PRC-20s with their ERC-20s, which by the way, when have you got the other side of the pair for free? I don't think I've ever seen that before in my life, where as a liquidity provider, you get to play with the other side for free. And there's probably less volatility because they're so similar to each other. So it's like, I think it's awesome. Like it's, it's one of the killer features. So being able to on-ramp users with a single button click in MetaMask, awesome. And uh, being able to back the value of the PRC20s with bridging ERC20s in a yield farming program is just awesome. Like the really well-designed systems. I have a follow-up question from the Hex community directly, because you have seen the sacrifice rate for Pulsex was so great, so many people sacrificed. For Pulse, a little bit less. So this brings us to the following problem. A lot of people sacrifice for Pulse X, but they do not have Pulse chain yet. So the question from the Hex community will be, uh, Richard, what is your opinion? What would be a good ratio to hold on Pulse chain and Pulse coin? Well, I mean, I really don't know, but I'll try and throw guesses at you. So, I mean, if you looked at the sacrifice balances during the ranked sacrifice phase and you compared their like net US dollar kind of sacrifice equivalents and then divided it by the supply, I think you could end up with like a ratio from that perspective to have as like a starting ratio, but the starting ratio doesn't last very long. What really is going to set the ratio of pulse to pulse X is people actually trading it. And so you're going to be able to, before the bridge is open, you're going to be able to open Pulse, you're going to be able to trade Pulse versus PulseX. And you can see this on the testnet right now. Like you can go trade your testnet Pulse versus your testnet PulseX right now on testnet and experiment it and get ready for it. So, you know, I don't know what the market's going to set the ratios at. And my guess for what like a reasonable starting ratio would be, would be just kind of like the sacrifice values or whatever, you know, but you just, it's just pulled out of my butt. Like it just seems like an okay ratio because where else would you set it? I don't know, you know? <clears throat> Thank you, Richard. I will give you my pleasure.
Hello, Rich. How are you doing? My name is Carlos. Um, I'm just talking about Hex today. I'm very excited. Uh, my question to do as a business owner, uh, what are some of the ways that um, I can do to integrate this to my, uh, my community and to my uh, my well, my player? It's an interesting I question. I have a unique perspective on this. I love that it's hard to I love that it's hard to spend hex. I'm glad you can't buy Rolexes with hex. Because if you could, there's probably some hexkins that would hurt the hex price to go buy watches, which is as nice as they are, they're not going to appreciate long term as much, in my opinion. So, you know, or at least they haven't. I mean, Rolexes didn't go up a million percent. Hex did. So I I like it when people can't use the things I invent to actually buy stuff because it introduces extra sell pressure in my opinion. Now there are some exceptions to that. If you had something that generated excess purchasing pressure and holding pressure because it was accepted, then that would be an exception. But I think, I think a great example of showing you how powerful not being able to actually use the stuff as cash, you can't use Bitcoin many places. Price went up 690 million percent. Seemed to have worked out okay. So, you know, another thing is the velocity of money is indirectly proportional to the value of the money. And so if you can accept it more places, it increases the velocity. And if the economic math, which is considered to be true, is true, then it, it reduces value. So if, if whatever you're doing causes the people to buy and hold, that's extremely valuable. If what you're doing causes people to just sell, it's not valuable. And so that's the, the rubric by which I would really decide whether it would be helpful to the community to integrate uh, accepting that into your, into your business or not. It might be. You know, it, it might work out. It really matters whether it's more net buying or, or not. You know, if you're if you're advertising yeah. to people that have never seen hex before, it's probably net buying. If you're advertising it to hexagons, it's probably net selling. And in terms of educating, I, I run a huge baseball league, and a lot of my players, um, you know, they're starting to know about it and learn about crypto, nice. and talking about it. Mm -hmm. In terms of in terms of educating them and, and making it accessible, what are some of the ways that I can do to I mean, to tell you the truth, it's like, what is crypto? It's a big Excel spreadsheet that lives on the internet and inflates about 2% a year to keep it honest. In our, in the, my new pulse chain system, it doesn't inflate at all. Uh, and then uh, if, the, if you buy it and the price goes up, you get rich. If you buy it and the price goes down, you lose money. And then like, what else is there? Don't get, don't give away your seed words to anybody. Okay. And then that's really like it. Like you could... You could pretend that you're learning a lot or you could actually even learn a lot. And then in reality, what did you really achieve, right? Like you still can't write your own code. You're still using the same wallet. You're, you're still buying and selling on the same exchange. Like you really didn't, the parameters which affect your profit as a speculator, they don't really change with how much you know about the network or how much you know about blockchains, latency. And you know, like, you buy it, you hold it, you hope it goes up. Don't buy scams. Don't get scammed. Don't give away your seed words. Th these are the parts that actually matter. These are the parts that affect your bottom line, you know? Um, and everything else is just kind of like, it's like guy. it's like photography. Most photographers take bad pictures and then you're like, but they know all about the gear. They know how many megapixels and how many stops of light absorption. They know all their focal ratios, but they don't know about framing and they don't know about lighting. And then those are the things that matter more. Like composition and lighting matter more than your hardware. And a good photographer will do better with a cell phone camera than a bad photographer will do with a, a $10,000 Sony A1. So 
you know, blockchain is kind of similar. It's like, hey, you know more about the mechanics underneath. Great. Did you buy earlier at a better price? No, they're unrelated, you know? So I hope that answers you. Nice hat. Uh, being part of the Nexus community, you know, you know, my brother and I, really, you know, for this next event that's coming to Vegas in September, six to the ninth. You know, what do we need to do to bring you out to Vegas? I'm not going. I I would rather build stuff, bro. I hate traveling. I hate it. The reason you see me doing the same stream forever on the same chair is because it's efficient. When I travel, my productivity gets wrecked. It sucks a lot. So I, I want to change the world. I want to make everything better. And I would much rather use this amazing production quality with 8K camera if I stick a fan on it, 4K currently, even though I can only stream to you guys at 1080 for some reason because software limits. You know, like my production value is amazing. There's no real reason that you have to come and uh, sniff me or whatever. Like I did that for several months last uh, summer in Europe. You know, bought the Ferrari Roma, traveled to 15 different countries. I did it, and not in a rush to do it again, man. I want to work. I want to actually work, you know? You get me virtually is what you're going to get. So, uh, one more thing. Being a hex again, I like to my hat. Nice hat, bro. For the top hat. So, all hex skins, I would love if you guys start wearing it. After Richard Hartmore. Okay? Especially in Palestine. Yeah, so, Miami's a great uh, spot have, for a top hat, I bet. Sweating to death. So we got one last question here. All right. Uh, we're going to bring up. Richard, you know, I'm a really good chiller. And right now, I have an R8, a Hex R8. Nice. I cannot use tomorrow. We have the next tour in a couple of months. So what we want to do with Sweden TV together is we want to auction out the R8 to the Hex community. Do it. Would you support it? Make a shout out to the Hex community? I would tweet it. If you want to sell your R8, I will tweet it for sure. Yeah, Thank I mean, so like much. like uh, Hexologist was showing off his stickers on his, uh, his sport utility with his, you know, Hex.com best performing asset 2020, 2020, 2021, whatever. And uh, I tweeted that. Like, I, if Hexagons do cool stuff, I like to tweet about it usually. I like your Hex wrapped R8. I think it looks cool. Thanks. When you um, do it out the Hex workshop, it brought so many so much attention. So I hope we yeah. can do the same thing for you. I hope you're able to 10x and 100x your attendees because there's a lot of people attending crappier crap that they lose money on instead of make money. I hope you guys do well. On the 1 million post tour next year, uh, talking about pushing, we will have so many people because now we know what we're doing. We know it's nice, exactly man. how everything works. Good stuff. I appreciate you uh, putting in the work. A German guy had to come Thank to America you. to promote the things he appreciates. Americans learn. And in Austrian too, he's, he's yelling in Austrian too. So um, tomorrow, actually, there's a uh, we have more here at Crypto Worldcon. Uh, can I invite you back tomorrow night to yeah, if you do want, the same sure. thing? Yeah, sure. A whole new big group. Yeah, sure. Perfect. Just that we can touch. Thank, absolutely. Thank you very much, Richard. My Hart. pleasure, guys. Let's give him a Thanks so much for having me. See you guys. We're so excited about your next product. Thank you very much for coming. See you later.